Welcome to the Painted Target Podcast. Okay, episode 31. This is part two. Here with uh, Dennis Mangan. He is the owner of the website Rogue Health and Fitness. And I know most of you guys know him, but he's on Twitter at Mangan150. He writes, so if you go to his website, he's written many books, including Dumping Iron. Um, He puts out daily uh, emails about health and fitness, and they're extremely interesting. It's, we were talking about this before we started recording that, you know, a lot of people don't know the information that he's putting in these emails and he's doing it for free. They're short, sweet, right to the point. So you can get all that information by going to his Twitter account, which has his website or going to his website. So we figured we'd do a part two, um, because we were talking about essentially diet, macronutrients, inflammation, and mental health. And in reality, all those things connect to your state of mental health. So they're all important parts. But um, thanks for coming on again, Dennis. And um, he's got some points that we didn't get to last time. So just go ahead, lead right into it, Dennis, and we'll go from there. Okay. uh, Thanks for having me, Jason. Um, Yeah. So, you know, uh, one of of the interesting things about uh, the relation between mental health and, and physical health is, um, is metabolic syndrome and, and insulin resistance, right? So I'm, I'm, there's an article here, association of metabolic syndrome with depression and anxiety. And, uh, they found of course, a positive relation that, that, uh, not, not with anxiety, but with depression in this particular case. Uh, so, you know, what's going on here? Um, metabolic syndrome is, uh, basically pre-diabetes. So this is metabolic syndrome refers to a cluster of, of signs and symptoms like high blood pressure, high triglycerides, low HDL, um, increased waist size, um, and obesity. So, um, this is something that, you know, as, as you and I were talking about in, in the pregame show, um, <laughs> yeah. this is very widespread, yep. um, normal. So, right. It's, it's just normal. Um, in the United States in, in men of, um, you know, middle aged and older, about 50% have metabolic syndrome. Wow. Oh yeah. Gosh. Right. So, so they're, you know, they're, they're overweight and especially the kind of overweight associated with a big belly and, you know, high blood pressure, all the rest, the other things I mentioned. Um, so this is, uh, associated with depression. Um, it's, it's not really too surprising because, um, as, as I like to say, the brain is a, is a physical organ, just like any other, like the heart, like the liver, the kidneys, anything else you've got in there, right? It sits inside your body and it has 
um, it receives the in, the the inputs the same inputs that the other organs get and if if uh, the body is not healthy then the brain is not healthy and that can manifest as as mental illness yeah um, so you know another another one I'm looking at here is basically you might say the opposite right so this is the effects of calorie restriction in depression. Right. So m much of this um, that this paper discusses is is, uh, you know, animal studies. Right. Um, but it's also been tried in humans and calorie re calorie restriction um, has an has an antidepressant effect. So, you know, what is going on here? So I, I look at these two as opposites, metabolic syndrome versus calorie restriction. In metabolic syndrome, the obvious cause is eating too many calories, and particularly the uh, you know the the trifecta that I so often talk about: the, <laughs> yeah. uh, refined carbs, refined. sugar, and seed oils. Mm. Basically, that's the modern diet because you know I mean it's, it's like I mean you can't you really can't buy anything without seed oils in it. I sit in these aisles in the store and I just look and look and look. I mean, it's extremely difficult, you know. Right, right. I mean, as as is, you know, so often pointed out that when, you know, you start to eat healthy, you shop around the outer aisles of the oh, supermarket yeah. because the middle aisles contain all this stuff, this this brand name packaged and boxed food that's made of these things. And and this is what most people eat um you know mostly so it's like you know 60 percent of calories of the average american comes from ultra processed food yep. Yep. and and of course if you go out to eat anywhere you're faced with the same things lots of carbs made with seed oils yep. sugar you know sugary drinks all this sort of thing so you know this leads to metabolic syndrome um and Another way of looking at at metabolic syndrome in relation to mental health, to to depression, is um, through the lens of hormesis versus comfort. I guess you could mm, say. That's a good. Point. So, right. So, hormesis. Uh, for those who who don't know, um, hormesis is a phenomenon in which um, a dose of stress or or a toxin results in better health for the organism. So uh, the prime example of uh, of hormesis is exercise. So uh, exercise places a stress on the organism on the body, and it results in better health because the organism, the, you know, the, I, I guess we're we're talking about people here. So I, I should say the body. Yeah. The body responds um, by by changing and growing in order to be able to withstand that stress. So that's why uh, exercise makes people healthier. And it's 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 apparent that that. Uh, that human beings and and basically all other living organisms have have evolved in environments where 
these kinds of stresses are regular and routine, yeah, right, routine. You know, and and without them, without these regular stresses such as exercise, um, we become unhealthy. So, so exercise, fasting would be another example. And this is relevant to discussion here of metabolic syndrome. So fasting, obviously going without food for a certain period of time. What happens, the, the typical, typical modern American never goes without food very long. Yeah. A, and, and what they eat is when they do eat is bad, bad stuff. And they don't exercise a whole lot or they don't, you know, they don't get a lot of physical activity. So physical activity being the all encompassing term, um, you know, as opposed to directed exercise, right? So, you know, it, it used to be people worked in more labor intensive jobs and this kind of thing. And, and mostly we don't anymore. So all this, uh, impacts on metabolic syndrome and with it, uh, mental health. So if you look at what's going on in the opposite case in calorie restriction, you've got, uh, you've got fasting going on essentially. So, uh, it's interesting in, in, um, it's a little, little digression here, but calorie restriction experiments have been done. There tons of them have been done with animals and calorie restriction experiments. Um, but what happens with animals, uh, when you restrict the amount of food they eat, um, is of course they're, they're, they get quite hungry. And then when you feed them, they eat all their food at once. Um, because you know, that that's, they're getting fed. There's the food. You better eat it now, yeah. or you don't know, don't yeah. know when the next meal is coming. Um, so there's been this, uh, discussion in, in the literature on calorie restriction about, does this represent, you know, actual calorie restriction or is this intermittent fasting? Mm. Um, right. Because if, if, uh, you've got calorie restricted animals, you feed them once a day, say they eat all their food at once, then they don't eat again for another 24 hours. So you could say that's intermittent fasting. Yeah. In any case, it's a type of hormesis, right? Fasting. So you've got these, you've got these two opposite conditions, um, fasting versus metabolic syndrome, and you have opposite effects on mental health. Um, so I, it seems to me that, um, many of the conditions of modern life, especially as most people live them are, are they, they promote, uh, poor mental health yeah. and, and, and depression. Promote. Yeah, for sure. They right. feed it. Right. So, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of no surprise. I, I mean, to, to me, this, this information seems pretty obvious, but I, yeah. but I don't think most people are, are, really aware of it. I mean, the, the idea that, um, let me put it this way. As far as I can see, most people seem to believe that something like depression just descends upon you yeah. and there's, there's not really any rhyme or reason. It, it just is, 
or then there's this idea that you have this chemical imbalance of neurotransmitters. Um, they don't see the obvious thing that, um, you know, that your lifestyle, basically, you know, what you eat, how much activity you get, how often you eat, how, how well your sleep is, um, whether you get uh, adequate exposure to sunshine, um, all these things can, can uh, impact mental health. Um, so there's a, there's a great article um, that was written a f just a few years ago yeah, the co-authors is a physician named Michael Mize, and that's M-A-E-S. I think I mentioned him last time. Um, he extremely interesting work that he's done. He's a biological psychiatrist, um, and he's done a lot of work to show that depression is uh, accompanied by inflammation. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So. He's got this this uh, article with several co-authors called "So Depression is an Inflammatory Disease, but Where Does the Inflammation Come From?" So he in this article he reviews all the evidence that um, that inflammation is involved in depression, and then they discuss some of the things that causes inflammation. Diet is one of them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so. There's there's all these and and I think also we discussed this last time about the idea that um, so so this this idea that's that's known as leaky gut uh, this problem is known as leaky gut and it's promoted by a Western diet and and what happens is that um, lipopolysaccharides from bacteria get into the circulation and promote this inflammation because the, the body reacts strongly to that. They're not supposed to be there. And you get this, uh, this upsurge of inflammation, something like this could conceivably lead to depression. If you've got yeah. this, you know, this, this inflammation diet induced inflammation going on all the time. Well, it's like if people are saying it's a chemical imbalance, okay, maybe it is, but where does that chemical imbalance come from? It comes from everything you're talking about. <laughs> the diet and the, you know what I mean? That it's right. That's why everything is off. Right. Right. Exactly. Uh, you know, okay. Like suppose it is serotonin or something like that, but why it's not supposed to be like that. Yeah. It, it, it doesn't just happen quote unquote happen. You know, there, there are causes and effects going on. Um, and you know, another thing that Mayas discusses is exercise and you know it, it's um exercise has been shown to be a, a very good treatment for depression oh yeah yep right there there have been a number of studies on this so you could say so if exercise treats depression does being sedentary cause depression um I think there's a case, you know, that you, you could say that it does, at least in susceptible people. Again, we've got these modern life where people are sedentary and, um, and, and so it's just, it's just no surprise that depression is, is more common now.
Yeah, it's like a round robin. I mean, kind of what we said <clears throat> last time with the chicken before the egg thing where, you know, you do have imbalances in the body. That's why people are full of anxiety, depressed and all this. But like you said, no one's asking why. They're just looking for a Band-Aid. So if you're right. doing everything, you know, and I know people like this that aren't into health or fitness at all and they're friends of mine and they live in that state of just constant stress and anxiety and stimulation and all this. And it's the same thing. Like I tweeted the other day, well, I don't have time like you do to eat well and all this. But the point is they're feeding a loop, you know, and yeah. I don't think they know that they are. So, so if we said inflammation causes depression, what is causing the inflammation? If we said, no, I, I proved it. I went to the doctor. I got scans. I have a chemical imbalance. But why do you have a chemical imbalance? So right. it's like you said, it's the circle. Right, right. So um, these, these see, I mean, exactly what you're saying here about the circle, because uh, Mize has this uh, line in this article. He, he says, uh, uh, depression has been shown to predispose to obesity in a bi-directional manner, huh. right? So what comes first? Oh. Um, you know, this, this is, this is something you, you commonly hear that like, for example, if you talk about diet or about obesity and depression, they say, well, yeah, but depressed people aren't, aren't they more likely to want to go, you know, chow down on junk food? Uh, or aren't depressed people more likely to become obese? Well, you know, sure, um, that could very well be. There's probably an element of both there. Yeah. But, you know, the fact is you, you certainly eliminate one side of the equation if you, you know, if you get fit yeah. and if you, eat, right. if you eat right. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of the point is it's if you have a list on a piece of paper of, okay, I'm depressed, it's at the top with a, you know, underlined, and then you're like, well, I'm overweight, I don't, you know, move, I sit in a cubicle all day with artificial light, I bad posture, I'm not breathing enough, you know, all these things. Okay, well, let's be, you know, zen about it and just say that we have no idea where it's coming from. But like you said, start cutting things off the list and then eventually you're going to feel better. It's just like people I, – I don't know why I thought this, but it's like people that go on these um, – I don't like to call them diets. But like if you're eating a certain way and you're reacting or you're gaining weight or you're inflamed or whatever. And then all of a sudden you go to the carnivore diet where you're essentially just eating protein and fat. All of a sudden you feel better. Well, you could say that it's because you're eating better food, but you also may have removed something that was causing those symptoms. That's like fasting. So at the bare minimum, like you said, you want to kind of check things off the list. Like why, you, why wouldn't you put all the balls like in your court, you know? Right. Exactly. Instead of, instead of just dismissing it. Um, I, I've seen that attitude a lot. They just, it is just dismissed. Um, and you know, if, if, if you do, if you do everything you can and, 
and you still have these mental health problems, well, you know, okay then. But it seems to me the responsible thing to do, the self-responsible thing to do is to do all those things that you can first, um, you know, and see. There, there's a, you know, you mentioned, you just mentioned about the carnivore diet. So, you know, it's been found, there, there's this article here that red meat halves the risk of depression. So, yeah, so th this is, this is, a, you know, an associational study, right? It's, it's not a, you know, a trial or anything like that, but they, they found a, an association with, um, you know, that high intake of red meat, the, the people who had a high intake of red meat had half the risk of depression. So, right, you know, or half wow. the incidence of depression. So, you know, what's going on there or what could be going on? Because if we want to be really scientific, you know, we haven't shown cause and effect here. But um, what could be going on is is that red meat is very high in nutritional value. Yeah. So you get not only, you know, the protein and the healthy fats, but you get lots of the micronutrients you need, you know, the uh, uh, B12 and... Yeah and other B vitamins and so on. So that could be it. And another, uh, or it could be something like what you just mentioned. It, it could be displacing bad food. Yeah. So, you know, if people are, are eating a steak for dinner, well, they're, they're not eating a pizza. Yeah. Um, fast food. Yeah. Yo, if, if we, if we take that, this study at face value, you have a clear, uh, and a, a clear association with, um, you know, between diet and mental health. Yeah. There's, there's another, you know, association. Here's another one association of Western and traditional diets with depression and anxiety in women. So same authors as a, the red meat study. And, um, they found that a, Western diet, this is a quote, Western diet of processed or fried, fried foods, refined grains, sugary products, and beer was associated <laughs> with a higher uh, depression score. Uh, so, yeah, well, there's a sandwich in every beer, as they say. So that makes, <laughs> right. <that> makes sense. <laughs> right. And, and then, you know, they, they found that a, a quote unquote traditional dietary pattern with meat, fish, fruit, and vegetables was associated with lower odds for major depression or dysthymia, which is like you might call minor depression, just poor, poor mood, um, and for anxiety disorders. So here's another, you know, clear association between diet and mental health. Again, we, you know, cause and effect are, are not proven. It's an association. Um, but it's highly suggestive that something is going on there um, with, you know, between, between diet and mental health. Um, yeah. And a good point that you brought up was the B vitamins that are in meat because that, I mean, I know you've seen that like low B12, low B6. I mean, right. there's, there's people out there that had pretty severe, mood issues and then they get their b12 checked and it's in the tank and then they start supplementing with that or eating more meat and all of a sudden they feel better so that's something that's not talked about a lot but that's a that's an that's an important point the b vitamins and meat 
Right. Um, there, there are all kinds of anecdotes out there about people going on carnivore diet or not even to that extent, just giving up veganism and feeling a lot better, you know, and B12 could, could very well be part of it. Vitamin B12 is very important for the brain and, and yeah. for, uh, the nervous system energy. Yeah. Right. So, you know, that, you know, that's something that could, could very well be going on. Um, there's, uh, let's see, I'm just looking right here. Yeah. So back a little bit to, to this inflammation and, um, and depression there, there's this, um, known, known more scientifically in, in the literature as, um, increased in, uh, increased intestinal permeability, right? So your intestines are, are supposed to contain their contents and not let them out or yeah. they're supposed to be, you know, very selective in what they let into the body. Right. And, and if there's any, any problem, um, then it's less selective and things enter the body that shouldn't be. And so, you know, they, they found that, um, you know, that, that this, this, uh, LPS lipopolysaccharide endotoxin, you know, gets into, into, um, the circulation from, from, you know, passes through the intestines, it gets into the circulation and causes this inflammatory react, uh, reaction. And it is important in anxiety and, and depression. Yeah. And it's, and that's something as simple as that, that, you know, seeps out and then causes this inflammation, which goes back to, you know, we say the chicken before the egg, but it's like, not really. If you're eating refined, whatever all day or sugar, it's destroying your gut and then it's leaking out. Well, there's your, what do we call it? Like chain of events. So, right. you know, it's. I keep going back and like thinking about metformin or berberine and all that, how it does so much to the gut. And, you know, this, this is a, this is a good topic to bring up real quick is gut health and mood. And I'm sure you know a lot about that. I mean, the gut health, gut health is starting. I mean, that's like the new thing right now because the gut brain access, you know, whatever you want to call it. So if we in one setting or one sitting can say gut health is so important and that it's linked to mental health, then why on earth would your diet not affect that? Right. Exactly. Uh, and gut health. Yes, it is very important. Um, uh, extremely important. I guess I, I would want to say with this, um, not only like you say, the, you know, gut brain axis and the, the, the status of the microbiome affecting physical and mental health, but then also this idea of gut integrity yeah, yeah. that, that, um, you know, it's supposed, it's supposed to protect you. And if it's not protecting you, then it's letting in the bad things. Um, and our, our, our modern diet promotes that all the, you know, all yep. the sugar and the seed oils and, and are not good for gut health. Um, and, you know, and promote leaky gut and promote that stuff 
lipopolysaccharides getting into the body, promoting inflammation, and you know, and there you go. Yeah, and in a lot of ways, it kind of, you know it answers the question because we could say the chick before the egg and all this, but it's like the more we get into this topic, it sounds like I mean, if those things are leaking out and they're causing all these problems because your gut essentially isn't. I don't know what the word would be, you know, it's not structurally sound anymore in a sense, then, you know, where do we think this stuff is coming from? Like, it, there's no other place it could come from besides diet. So, you know, it, it's it's extremely interesting, but it sounds like just even in 28 minutes of this that all of this inflammation, all of these things, which leads to the move, because they, they've essentially proven that it's inflammation equals bad mood so it had the inflammation has to come from somewhere and while maybe some people could say it doesn't have anything to do with diet hasn't it essentially i mean i know you've kind of said this but hasn't it essentially been proven that the sad standard american diet is inflammatory i mean that's been essentially sure. that's not even like a question anymore is it i no, it it, it is not definitely yeah, not so. and you know here's here's a, a, a an interesting you know analogy that uh for for the listeners it may make this uh point more clear about inflammation and and depression you know how that how that's all linked and that is there there's a a concept called sickness behavior so sickness behavior is really well it's exactly what it sounds like it's it's the behavior of someone or an animal who is sick so if let's say you're sick really sick let's say you have the flu um what do you do where, you know, what, what is, um, what are the outward, uh, you know, signs that you're sick? For one thing, you're, you're very tired. Um, you, you know, if you're sick enough, you don't want to get out of bed. Um, you, or you need to stay in bed. Um, you, you can't, um, you know, you don't have the will to do much of anything. You just want to be left alone and you're just huddled down. So basically when you're sick um, and, and when you're sick with an infectious flu, you have a lot of inflammation because inflammation is the body's defense system against microorganisms. Um, and so this inflammation leads to sickness behavior. The, and sickness behavior is basically telling telling you to lay low. Look, you can't handle anything now. You need to just get better to you know conserve your resources and so on um, until until you get better. So sickness behavior and and depression have a lot in common. Um, you know, in depression, fatigue is 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 a sign is one of the signs of depression people don't have the will to do much um they they just want to lay low so you can see the the commonality there between um between sickness behavior and depression 
and um, the, the, what they what they both have in common is inflammation. In the one case, in in sickness, you have say you know an infectious an infectious illness um, causing inflammation. In depression, you have something else causing yeah. inflammation. And you know, like we're talking about, diet is a, is a major part of it. Yeah. Yeah. So the in that that's actually a good point because. There, I mean, you just said this, but there's some sort of sickness going on. So if the body has an infection like the flu or a cold, it's reacting off of that. But then you could say if the body's being fed garbage all day, then it's reacting off of that, <laughs> causing right. inflammation right. and bad mood. Right, so. exactly. And, and, and in a sense, um, you know, we, we were talking about leaky gut and the fact that these – of these molecules that aren't supposed to be inside the body are getting in there. So yep. this, this sickness behavior and the, the inflammation and sickness behavior and the inflammation in, in leaky gut and depression is the same. It's from microorganisms. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's all leading back to what's causing the inflammation and there's just no way that if you're eating like crap all day that it's not causing this so you know it's like the more we talk about this the the answer seems pretty clear but the okay so here's here's something because a lot of the people listening so we've said this but what actually are let's call it the mechanisms and this is going to lead back to one of the major topics in your emails, which it's probably going to lead back to insulin response. But um, what is the actual mechanism for people listening? So we're saying, okay, you eat a shitty diet. It's got refined this and cedos. Okay. But what is the actual mechanism where if you ingest something like that, it's causing blank, which causes inflammation? Right. Well, you know, there. This is this is uh, something that's you know actively in in being investigated, and um, you know, I think there are several answers to that question. And the, the one, the the increased intestinal permeability that we were yeah. just talking about, seems very important. Um, the other one, like uh, go, going back to to what we were talking about at the very beginning of this metabolic syndrome, that's all about insulin. Yep. So, um, you know, it's insulin resistance that's, uh, that's going on there. So, so insulin is a hormone that is released in response to food, especially to carbohydrates and, um, and people eventually, it's another discussion, but people eventually do become insulin resistant. So they have high, high levels of insulin, all uh, the time. all, all yeah. the time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and that's, what's going on in metabolic syndrome. So there, there's definitely an association between insulin resistance and depression. Um, you know, what exactly is going on there? Um, you know, is, well, let, let's put it this way. Insulin resistance is something that we didn't see a whole lot of until modern times. Um, you know, people would not have been insulin resistant very much in the past. It's yeah. strongly associated with obesity. 
Um, and there weren't, you know, not all that long ago, not that many. So, yeah, this, the, you know, this is another thing with fifth, you know, w with about half of all older adults, 58, 50 years old and on up being majorly insulin resistant, um, you know, you can see what, what effects that has on, you know, could have on mental health on, and on depression. Um, yeah. In, insulin resistance is, well, let me, let me put it, it this basically way. links to every issue. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So this goes back to the idea that, you know, depression is a, is a manifestation of what's going on with the body yeah. and, um, insulin resistance and or high uh, chronically high insulin is involved in basically every chronic disease, whether, you know, heart disease, cancer, yep. diabetes, certainly heart, Alzheimer's, yep, all yep. That stuff. Yeah. on and on. And so you could look at it at, uh, you could look at depression that way as is simply another chronic disease, another manifestation of the, you know, poor lifestyle, including diet that <clears throat> so many of us have nowadays. Yeah. It's, it's like we were saying before the podcast, it's, it's just extremely normal to be essentially be insulin resist. I mean, it's, th this is a common trait nowadays. It's a normal thing. And if you read anything on it, like I was reading, uh, I told you this, but Dr. Mercola's book, the fat for fuel. And when he goes off about insulin and, you know, citing these studies, you're thinking, my gosh, I mean, it's not that I guess if we were all living in the woods, you know, insulin would just be kind of a normal, you know, metabolic function or whatever. Right. Sure. But when it's chronic and it's constantly going, it just basically destroys the body from the inside out. And yep. it's being caused by, I mean, for the people listening, this is where the high fat, low carb and all these, you know, this is where a lot of their health benefits are is they're not eating foods to where, and even intermittent fasting, you're basically putting yourself in a position to make this simple where you're not going all day with your insulin spiked. Essentially. Right. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Um, the, it, it just, the, the more you look into it, it's, it's just amazing how, how, insulin resistance is just associated with with everything and then that all you know it leads back to diet and also to an extent exercise um you know that that is all off in in the modern era um we just we we have these lives like i said we have these lives of comfort and not of you know, periodic stresses like yep. fasting and exercise yep. that keep us in, you know, in fine tune and keep our, keep us insulin sensitive and, um, and keep insulin resistance at bay. You know, once you, once you start to get comfortable, metaphorically speaking, you know, then, then insulin resistance rears its head and, and, you know, there, then we have the source of, uh, you know, our chronic disease epidemic, 
um, you know, type two diabetes is, has risen. I, I'm not sure what the figure is like five to tenfold in the last wow. uh, three, three decades or something like that. It's just, just insane. Um, and what has changed with it? The standard American diet. <laughs> that it's... Right, right. <laughs> exactly. It's like, where else could we say this stuff is coming from? I mean, if you're filling your face with that all day. Right. Um, I mean, here, here's this article here. Consuming highly, highly refined carbohydrates increases the risk of depression. So, you know, this Black is, again, yeah, yeah, this it's, it's, um, it, it's just all in tune with what we've been talking about all along here, but they, they found that, um, people who, who ate a lot of refined carbohydrates, such as, you know, I, I'm sure most people listening know, but I'll just say white bread, white rice and soda, mm. um, had a higher risk of depression. And, and in this particular study, these were people who were healthy at baseline. In other words, at the beginning of the study, they, they were not depressed. Oh, and then wow. they found that the people who ate a higher amount of these refined carbohydrates had a greater risk of depression as time went on. Um, so the, you know, that's pretty good evidence of, yeah. of what's going on. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's basically a drug, the standard American diet, because you eat the food and it tastes good in the moment, but because of how it's designed and refined, you're chasing more of it. And, you know, I've admitted many times that usually one day a week I'll have like a pretty crappy meal. And it's funny because when I'm done the meat, so I'm eating it and I'm like, my gosh, now I know why everybody eats this crap because it's so freaking good. But then when you're, <laughs> then when you're done, it's the same thing. It's like I'm driving home and I'm thinking, I feel like shit. My stomach is in knots and I don't know how people can eat this stuff 24 seven. So, you know, you drink a soda and it gives you that little fix, but you have to keep chasing it because you feel like shit in the middle. You know, it's like a wave and at the bottom of the wave, you feel like crap. So you got to bring the wave up again. <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Once in a while I get into some kind of food like that. Same, you know, same oh, yeah. experience. It's just um you have like having something that has some sugar in it so like yeah. i don't i don't i don't eat sugar very much you know rarely i guess and when i have something with sugar in it i think oh my god this stuff tastes pretty good oh yeah um but yeah <laughs> then in a few minutes yeah. yeah then in a few minutes yeah you don't feel so hot but it's no wonder it ha it has that addictive quality oh yeah it, that that just makes you makes want sense. more and more yeah, like I do it with cereal. Usually Saturday morning I'll wake up off fat. You know, I'm I'm kind of – I'm still trying to offset it. So I'll do like fasted cardio and then I'll say, well, I'm going to break it with some cereal and I'm just chowing down on this stuff. And then by the end of it, you're thinking, man, if I don't take like a digestive enzyme or something, you're burping <laughs> all day and you're heavy and you feel like crap. And I remember the last time I did it, I ate it and then I took the dog out and I said, well, I'll do a jog while I'm walking her. And the whole time I'm just burping and I felt heavy and my legs felt heavy. And I'm like, well, 
this is why people that eat that food every day don't want to be active because it's physically impossible if you're doing that stuff all day. So it's definitely designed for you to keep doing it. I mean, right, right. Yeah, the, the, the addictive quality, I mean, sugar, you know, there have been, ex- there've been rat experiments where they found that sh- rat, uh, that sugar was more addictive than cocaine. <laughs> and, wow. you know, I guess in, in some ways it's not too surprising because however, however bad sugar is, uh, you do get a benefit from it. Uh, and that is that there's calories in it. There's, there's energy in it. And in a state of nature, you're, you're searching, you know, you or, or rats or whomever are searching for energy. So, um, you know, sugar in nature is not very concentrated, right? Generally speaking, uh, honey is just like the one glaring exception, but, honey would you know wouldn't much um fruit obviously ripe fruit obviously has sugar in it but not nearly as much as like you know a sweet dessert or whatever you know whatever we're talking about here so you know we're our our brains are are just finely attuned to seeking it out to seeking out sources of sugar and then when when you know a whole bunch of it um hits you know you get that there's that dopamine rush that you you know that that addictive um addictive quality of of sugar so um, yeah i think people use food as an antidepressant but then it makes them more depressed it's it's the you know i i feel like crap i'm gonna go to mcdonald's or something which you know whatever you could do that here and there but obviously when something becomes a pattern, so now once again, you're getting back into that circle, you know, where it just, and it's like, as you know, when you talk to people that are trying to get into shape, uh, you know, this is a good point now that I think about it. When you talk to people that are trying to get in shape, usually what they'll say is I, you know, fell off the wagon and there's always a, a reason why. So this ties into uh-huh. mental health oh, I got a divorce, then I gained weight, blah, blah, blah. I I moved, I got a new job, I hate my job. So once again, something happens in the quote-unquote mental realm, and then boom, you start feeding it with dopamine hits, and then all of a sudden you're, you're in the hole, you know? And it's like we said before the podcast, I would argue that okay if you want to lower your body fat especially get in the single digits it's extremely um simple but it's not easy and we're in a position now where it's almost impossible for most people to ever be in what we would call you know semi good or better than average shape because as we're saying like even with the food stores everything is against you you know, I mean, you really do have to watch it. You, you can't just say, well, I'm going to have three sandwiches a day and cut my calories by a thousand. You're still eating how many carbs, you know, so it's really not easy, but it always seems to be preceded, which is my point, by some like life change, which leads back into this depression, diet and inflammation thing, you know? R- right. That, that That's that's a great point. Um, 
I feel bad, so I'm going to eat a quart of ice cream. Yeah, yeah. You know, that that's you hear stories like that all the time. Oh, yeah. You know, or people say that, or, you know, yep. comfort food. Yep, there right? it is. Yep. I, I, and so basically, I mean, comfort food, I guess by definition, it's something that's not good for you. It's, good, <laughs> it's you like know. an oxymoron. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and, so, and, yeah. so you get a momentary, you know, momentary, momentary comfort at the price of longer term discomfort. Yeah. And that's what it is. I mean, there's been times. So, I never really did a lot of the cheating and I've recently been doing it because I was so strict during the week, but I'll tell you, there's days where I'll be eating that cheat meal. Some, there was days where I would just eat like crap all day. And I remember I would stop and I would think, you know, this is kind of hard to stop eating this food. I mean, it's good, Uh you know, it's sweet and it's good. And you dump out and then you eat more and this is all bring, I'm just bringing this up because this is what people are doing daily. And it's not, you know, if you don't have, let's say a pretty good foundation of like mental fortitude, it's extremely easy nowadays to go down that pathway and it just never end. I mean, it's set up for it. Absolutely. Um, it's the point I make about about the environment. So, to to get out of that cycle, you have to create your own environment, yeah, whether by point. avoiding the the other environment or you know, and having a different environment at home uh, as far as your your food and and then your routine and so on, your, your exercise. Yeah. Because if everything is set up for the vast majority of people and the vast majority of people either don't know or don't care about this stuff that we're talking about. Um, and so if you just go along with the crowd, you're, you're going to end up feeling and looking like the crowd, (laughs) you know, which is, is not really very good these days. Yeah. And it's, it's like, I, I tweet about this a lot about the herd and, you know, in a lot of ways, I, I'm not trying to make fun of anyone because on the, on the other end of this, you know, this is an important thing for us and a, a passion for people like me and you. But at the core, I don't really care what people do. But it the problem is, isn't it sad that we're now in a position to where you have to create your own environment because the quote unquote normal environment is a complete disaster? You know, and it's right. that's that's kind of sad that it's hit that point. But it's like I always think about like on the land here. I have, you know, land on the mountain and I see all these paths. I see animals that create these paths. Like if you're hunting or whatever, you know, there's hunting stands out here and these animals travel the same path every day. So the point is it's whatever is easier with the herd, with the group. And we're now in a position, as mm-hmm. we've been saying, where it's sad because it's, it's the, it's suboptimal is the new normal and the new easy. So you start adding on psychological things where, you know, we're, we're, um, what, what social creatures and we want to be accepted, but everything we're trying to be accepted in is a bad environment. So you've got these small groups of people 
you know, like us and people we know where we have to almost segregate ourselves from this toxic environment because it's so bad, you know? Yeah. It's yeah. It's, it's true. I, I face that myself and I, I, I get this, I hear this from a lot of people too, that, um, you know, like, what do you do when you're socializing? And I mean, if you have, you know, friends or family, it's, it's a, it's a guarantee that they're going to be doing, you know, most of them are going to be doing what everybody else is doing, yeah. which is eating bad food. Um, and, uh, all the other behaviors sitting around a lot and so on. So it's, it is tough. Uh, it's as far as, like you say, segregating yourself. Um, and after a while you, sometimes it seems like you live in a bubble, of, oh. of, you know, and you oh, don't, yeah. you don't understand how, you know, what it's like. I mean, you know, I, I've set up my own, um, my own lifestyle so that, uh, I mostly eat at home and so I have good food and so on. I work out a few times a week and that sort of thing. And, you know, and I stick to that routine that, you know, and then when you go out and, and socialize, meet with friends or family, um, and you know, it's kind of stark, like, you know, wow, yeah. nobody else is doing this. <laughs> yeah. And that's something I've dealt with a lot up here because, you know, moved up here and literally, you know, said many times on the side of a mountain and I come off the mountain and I look at people and I don't know what the proper word would be because it's not necessarily judging. You're just kind of looking at all like, I, you know, the feeling that I get and I'm not trying to be Captain America or anything, but a lot of the feeling I get in the gym or out in public is I wish I could just grab these people and say, you realize that you could make two changes in your life. You could just cut the soda and you would change your whole life. You know, it, I mean, maybe uh, that's not their goal and you have to be fair to that. I mean, if, if people don't care, they don't care. Maybe they like to do something else. Okay, cool. But it's like I've said, it is difficult because of the environment. But, you know, when I'm walking next to someone in the food store and the entire ring of their cart is full of soda and they're hunched over, they can barely move, they're breathing hard, you know, you're showing me through your actions that your life is difficult. So if you right. removed those sodas, your life wouldn't be so difficult. So that's that's what I feel most of the time, but you're right that there will be times where I go off the mountain and I'm like, Oh my gosh, we're doomed. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I, I think, you know, so many people, um, you know, they want to be healthier. They want to lose weight. They want to, they want to get off their medications and so on, but, but they don't want to change anything. Yeah. You know, they don't, they don't, they don't want to change the way they live, the way they eat. They don't want to exert the effort, um, you know. I but I can't give up such and such. That, oh, that's a God. real, you know, you hear that reply. all the time. Yep. Right. Yep. Right. And I have I have some friends like that where I'll say, well, you could drop the bread, you know, at least cut it in half, and literally the response that you get, it's not even dramatic. It's oh no, I can't do that. Oh, uh, you know, why, uh, why can't you do that? Oh, there's just no way I have to have the bread. And, and I just go, oh, well, then you don't care about this goal you're talking about then because the bread, you know, it's a fuel and you're not doing anything. So, 
you know, it's it's it is funny when people say that because it's not even like a dramatic thing anymore. It's just, oh no, I can't do that. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> right, guess you're not right. serious. But. Right, a lot. You know, a lot of people I, I find um, would like would rather they they want to defend their problems, right? Yeah, they yeah. they want to they if you suggest a solution there the first thing they reply is is why they can't you know do your solution your um and yeah. so you know okay well they it's just they want yeah, they the don't, easy they don't want to make the changes they want the easy way out and Pete, you know most people are grown on that where blank hurts i go to the doctor here's a pill and obviously pharmacology and all that has its place I, i'm not you know the probably not the medical system probably isn't the greatest at uh preventative medicine but it's very good at acute medicine you know something goes wrong in the moment but that's what they're used to and i i know many people like that good friends where you know i'm in the gym five days a week on the treadmill for 30 minutes and i just never seem to lose weight well do you watch what you eat no and it's like okay well i mean you're looking for hacks right. is my point and they just don't work. And you know, that was one of the reasons for me tracking my food for a while was to just get an idea of what we're really eating, what we're really doing. And it's like, I think you said this once in your email or we said the other time, it's like almonds. You know, I love, I freaking love almonds, but those suckers, <laughs> there are a <laughs> lot of calories. <laughs> and right. if someone has two handfuls of almonds it's very easy to think, oh, I'm eating well, you know, like whatever. Yeah, but that's probably 400 calories right there, right. and you're not doing anything. So, Nobody eats one smoked almond. Oh, my gosh. And those ones from Costco that actually, you know, according to them, are not cooked in seed oils, and they just have a little bit of sea salt on them. Oh, my gosh. I could eat an entire bag of them in one sitting. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. my gosh. But, you know, it's interesting. It's I think, like you said, the main point is – I think what we've learned on this one is it's easy to to let's say try to track down the you know chicken before the egg but the bottom line is if inflammation has been shown to be part of depression if not causing it and then eating these foods can cause inflammation they can cause the gut issues at the bare minimum cutting that stuff out is going to help. I mean, just that's a, that's a small word for a big deal, but it's going to help. So, you know, it's something to think about right. for the people listening. Really. Right. It, it can't, it, it, it can't, can't not hurt. help. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I mean, you, you think about, it's just a chemical thing. You know, there's so many chemicals and all we eat and everything we do that there's just no way that it's going to hurt you to start taking some things out and see what happens. And I know many people that have just said, yeah, my problem is soda. And then they say, okay, I'm going to go from six sodas a day to three. And in one week, they've got huge changes, you know, so we're, we kind of make it sound like it's difficult on one end, but on the other end, small changes could make a big difference. So. I, I I agree. I think for many people, sm- small and simple changes could could make a lot of difference. 